0: And now it's time for We Are Just Christians, live from Savona Church in Port St. Lucie. Here are your hosts, Mike Schmidt and Gary Jones. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, and welcome to We Are Just Christians. We're certainly glad you've tuned into the show today and glad we can be here with you for the next hour on WPSL. We're going to be taking your calls and comments, questions, whatever, here in a few minutes, and I'll give you the numbers how to reach us but we are just christians is uh, a show brought to you by the church of christ on savona boulevard my name is mike schmidt i'm one of the elders of the church and the preacher with me is gary jones he's back today uh, feeling better how you doing gary i'm
1: doing much much better
0: mike sounds that sounds a lot better uh he's been regaling me with hospital stories <laughs> here the last <laughs> way over here so anyway uh, i th- what was your question gary what did you ask the doctor yeah,
1: yeah, is there a protocol that says you can only do e k g s at one a m in the morning
0: yeah that's a that's probably a good question. I'm sure it'll take a Senate panel to investigate that <laughs> at some point in time, but anyway, we're glad we we can be back with us today and glad you can be here uh, as I said. Well, this show is about being just a Christian, and we're trying to talk to people about that and point the way by uh, in this manner that we handle questions and comments, pointing you always back to the New Testament, to the Scriptures, for the source of the right answer or direction to go. So whatever's on your mind, whether it is a personal thing that's happened to you, some kind of a, a bad experience or a good experience, or some question you have about spiritual matters, whether it's related to the Bible in your view or not, or whether you have a you know, complaint about something that's happened to you by religious people, Something like anything like that is fair game. Or do you just want to comment about the cultural situation we find ourselves in here that people are talking a lot about? We'd be glad to hear from you about that. You can reach us at We Are Just Christians at 772 340 1590. 772 340 1590 is the number. And as I said, we'd be glad to talk to you about whatever is on your mind. Here are a couple of quick ground rules. Number one, we do have a few second delay. Because of the uh, FCC and other things, so it's a live show. So we'll try not to step on top of you. If we do, it's an accident. Uh, when we're trying to calculate the delay from re- in responding. Secondly, uh, you can ask anything you'd like to ask. We're not going to go, not going to berate you or belittle you, or we're not baiting you with something we say to call in. And we'll give you a chance to say what you want to say. And in the end, after we have a discussion, if that's entire. That's up to you. But if we do, we'll give you the last word so you can state your point and, and we'll be done with that. So anyway, give us a call, 772-340-1590. And also I want to mention we do also have a text numbers that you can reach us by text message. That suits some people a lot better. And we get texts not only during the show, but we get text all week uh, sometimes on these numbers my number 772-260-6120 772-260-6120 that's mike's text number as i say during the show text in people do all the time and we'll try to respond to that or during during the week and we'll be glad to try to get back with you gary's text number is very similar 772-260-6220 772-260-6220 is his number so you can reach us by text you can reach us by phone call we we even have an email which we can't answer that during the show but that's just christians at att.net we do get emails from time to time which we really appreciate you taking the time to do that just christians at att.net we'll have we'll talk more about this a little bit later in the show
1: before we take the phone calls on mike i'd like to address something that we talked about a few weeks ago and it was we talked about the inheritance of the Levites, that they didn't receive a land inheritance, and that's true. Uh, and, and I've even said they didn't receive an inheritance, but that's not quite true that they didn't receive anything at all. Um, basically, they received quite a large inheritance. As a matter of fact, when you start looking at what they were given in Joshua 21, and there's some other passages, We need to understand that there were separate and apart from that but came from some of these cities were the cities of refuge. Now, these, since there were no police forces or prisons or anything like that or courts, formal courts, if you were guilty of manslaughter or something more of a civil ordinance of something, you could flee to one of these cities and you would be safe from what was called the avenger of blood until they could get to the truth of it. But uh, basically, there were only six of these cities, and that's given in, J- in Numbers 35 and verse 13. It says, and of the cities which you give, you shall have six cities of refuge. And he talks about where some of those are. But I wanted to point out that the cities left of the Levites in Joshua 21 are beginning in verse 41. All of the cities of Levites within the possession of the children of Israel were 48 cities with their common lands. Every one of these cities had its common land surrounding it, so they they received a fairly large inheritance. Now, these six cities, five of them directly came from those cities given to the Levites. Now, the sixth one is kind of in question because it's not one of the specific cities mentioned in uh, Joshua, but that's another reference. Basically, what I wanted to point out, and, and we talk about what... Why did God give them cities as opposed to uh, a segregated land segment? And it's not going to be easy on the radio because I can begin to look on the map of these cities. These 48 cities are scattered relatively uniformly throughout the entire region of uh, basically Israel, what was, what was the northern and southern kingdom. And I kind of begin to ask, well, why would God give the Levites all these cities that are spread throughout with their common lands, everything that they needed to raise their cattle and keep their livestock and and uh, raise food and grow food? Why would he why would he basically, you think, Mike, spread these kind of uniformly out through all the nations? And I I think it was to have the influence on the
0: country. Well, I think that – well, one of the main jobs of a priest, which is overlooked, is to teach the law. Right. That's what they were supposed to do. That's what he condemned them for, and I know that because that's what he condemned them for in the prophets because they had not taught the people. We even find cases of Levites uh, not keeping the law at all and teaching people the opposite of that in the book of Judges and so forth. So yes, they were scattered about because they were supposed to be the ones people would go to as to how to keep the law and how to follow God, and they were supposed to be instructing the people in this. Now, now, as far as whether they, the Levites were supposed to make their living, as it were, from the offerings of the people, not so much from agriculture, although they, that's why they got cities and not a tribal inheritance, which they could govern, but they were scattered about so that they could teach, and sometimes peers and briefly the one judge, one Levite that went north and and established, you know, was he was kind of purchased, as it were. The rich man kind of purchased him right. for a priest. He needed a, wanted a priest. So that sounds familiar. People buy preachers just like they buy politicians. Um, <laughs> unfortunately. And and so I agree with you. That's what I think. What do you think? I think
1: I think that's exactly why he he gave them these cities and he relatively uniformly spread them out throughout the, all the nation. Right. So everyone would have access to people who could teach them the law and keep them in line with God's commandments, or help them keep in line with God's commandments.
0: These the shepherds who Ezekiel talked about, who had failed Israel, I believe that that most likely those were priests. Yes, who had not shepherded the tribe of Israel by feeding them the law and protecting them from the dangers of idolatry and immorality by teaching and by instructing and so forth. They they weren't doing that. They were also the ones who administered some of the things like the cures for leprosy or at least the um, cleanness and uncleanness as far as the law, that they settled disputes sometimes in this regard. So there was a big... Now, the other thing about it is that we often overlook is that not all the not every person of the tribe of Levi was actually, quote, a priest, not even all the men. They they worked in courses, especially in the temple or sacrificial work. Only the sons of Aaron, this tribe of, of the family of Kohath did that and so forth. But the other Levites were supposed to be the teachers of the law. Right.
1: And, right. and I think that's that's why he did that. And and I guess I don't know. Mike, I see kind of a parallel with Christians today. Christianity is spread throughout the world, and we as Christians, maybe not necessarily by formal teaching, but at least by what we do, should be an example to people around us. Well, we are God's
0: priests. We're the royal priesthood, and we're the salt of the earth and the light of the world, he says early Jesus does in his teaching, his followers.
1: And unfortunately, we don't all live up and to we that. We do not
0: live up to that at all. In fact, sometimes it's worse. Although some things, the we've talked about this recently, some things the world objects to about Christians are legitimate objections. That a lot of times they're phonies, pretenders, money, you know, all, after money, and so forth. Uh, prestige. Other Other criticisms of Christians are not valid, although the world makes them. That we're, necess- you know, that we're judgmental, although you can be judgmental. What the world means by us being judgmental is that we oppose immorality, you know, and we have standards. And they call that, that's what their def. you got to ask the def. When people today criticize or say anything, I, I always have to continue to go back, what's the definition of the word you're using? Because the definitions of words change all the time uh, by p- progressives. They get changed, and therefore you don't know what they're talking about. But did you know Gary that the definition of transgender has been changed literally seriously oh, I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt I mean, that by, at all I mean by by the academics a tra- transgender you know doesn't mean anymore someone who is has gender dysphoria or anything like that because that would be negative a transgender girl for example is a girl who uh, likes to wear blue jeans and would be considered a tomboy that is called a trans that's the definition of transgender so when these people talk about protecting transgender youth in schools they're talking about making sure tomboys get their fair share and or have act and therefore have access to gender affirming care you know mastectomies and all this as they grow up this is how the definition changes so when someone says you're judgmental well i need to know before i can assess the validity of that charge what are you defining as judgmental, judgmental. are you saying that i shouldn't have an uh, I shouldn't either have or express a, a ju- opinion or judgment about moral behaviors, whether it's mine or yours. Or do you mean that I am holding you up to a standard that I won't live up to or that I'm excessively critical, hypocritically critical of, of you? Which, what's your definition of judgmentalism? And so you have to know this. But that some things the world says about Christians are true. Obviously, some are not true. Well, but the Levites of, were, suppo- they were criticized too, but they were supposed to uphold the law.
1: Yes. Regardless. And, and one of the things that we, you ask along the lines of defining it is give me, a, give me an example of what you think is judgmental. Right. Sh- show me what, what, that, what, what, what so you we really know.
0: think is. Right. It's obvious Jesus says, judge not that you be not judged in Matthew 7. Now we're off the track a little bit, Gary. We'll get back in a second. It's obvious he says judge not that you be not judged. But later on in that chapter he warns us to be careful about wolves and sheep's clothing and all kind of things like that. Well, if I can't make any judgments at all about a person's behavior or motives, I'm kind of at loss to decide how to how to react to a wolf or even what a wolf is, aren't I? Right. So there's obviously a specific definition or usage of his of the phrase judge not. That in, in Matthew seven that is completely ignored, and that's what it, it's ignored by people who don't know or love the Bible. They've only heard a snippet of it. Just a, they learn just enough to fortify their own behavior and ju- justify what they want to do. So uh, unfortunately, that's what it is. It, anyway, well, I'm, we're off to track of the track. P- the well, point you were making not not as far as you might think, because
1: really that's part of what a Christian. Either by his teaching or by his action, is doing to the world. Uh, basically, Mike, that's why I think Christians are hated so much, because every time you see a real one, it's making a judgment against the world.
0: Well, that's exactly what Jesus says, uh, that we
1: would we would judge the world, and and, and that's how it's done but that was my point i I just wanted to get back if you're interested in what those all those cities are specifically named if you want to find them on the map in joshua 21. go back to joshua chapter 21. every one of those cities is called out by name except the sixth uh city of refuge it's called out i think in numbers and i will I don't have that reference right now, but it's called that one is called out in a different place. And it's not called out as coming from the Levites either, which is kinda odd, I thought. But then I digress. We don't don't well, need that well, kind you, of detail.
0: Going back to your <clears throat> well when we look into the details of those kind of regulations in the Old Testament, just keep in mind that the, the real understanding of application is how does this how does this work? What does it teach us today about how to live in Christ or what Christ was about, we have a phone call, but let me let's finish this first here okay. and uh, so hang on there but going back to what we we're saying before, Paul says in in um, 1 Corinthians 6, Gary, how dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unrighteous? that is how can you Christians go to go to law before before a worldly judge and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? if the world will be judged by you who are unworthy to judge are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters do not do you not know that we shall judge angels so now he means something by that he means something by what he said in Matthew 7 don't yes. dismiss that find out what it means but don't make it mean whatever you want it to mean now, look, now how is it that Christians are going to judge the world obviously Christians are supposed to judge the world because he says so right here now the question again is what does that mean? Don't dismiss it. Don't make it mean nothing. Don't ignore it. And I think it means by our behavior, uh, as follow, if we follow Christ, the world will be judged by that, uh, held accountable to the, by that. And that's why they hate you so much. The unrighteous seek to kill the, the righteous because they make them look bad. Their deeds are evil, Paul says. And therefore, they want they want to get rid of the righteous. And uh, I've experienced that a few times in my life, uh, not as much as many other people who are more righteous than I, but that's the fact. And and so to discuss judgment, or whether Christians being judgmental, is mo- has to be more than a superficial uh, discussion where we presume that we know the meanings of the words. And unfortunately, Gary, that's exactly what a lot of so-called preachers do with these things. They, yeah. they they are superficial in their, under, their discussion about judgment or judging. And anytime somebody in the world who is wanting to live a wicked life complains about Christianity, they fall on their knees and beg for forgiveness R- rather than assess the issue, what's really being said here, what's really at stake.
1: Well, you going back to judge not lest you be judged in Matthew, uh, which I think just about everybody out there can quote, but I'll bet they can't quote this one. That's John seven twenty four. He says, do not judge according to
0: appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. And that's and that's true both for the Christian and the non-Christian Christian. needs to judge righteous judgment about what things are. And that goes, that there's a lot to be said there. Well, are you done with your point? I'm, I'm, I'm done, d- I'm done okay. with that. Let's Very take good. the call. Uh, good point. I thank you for that. Uh, Jerry, are you there on the line? Are you there, Jerry? I hope I know we don't have a technical problem because I'm not hearing hearing uh, the caller. Hang on. Let's see if we can figure this out here. Are we fully plugged in over there? He's there. Hold on. He said the station just told me to hang on. Oh, okay. Okay. So we might have something not set right, but uh, –
1: but there, there's a John seven twenty four. There's another good one to underline in your Bible if you like it. Or at least
0: I like it.
2: Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you go, know go. Hang on. Hang so on. I so was getting something up from the station here. All right. All all right. right. Go, are you there, are you there, Jerry? there Gary? Uh, thank you, Mike. Good morning, Gary. Uh, I was wondering, in, in Michigan, they teach uh, that born with forty six chromosomes. And most states uh, teach 23 pro, but it means the same thing. But evidently, uh, the confugal lotion ro- of the, one of the last chromosomes, the uh, uh, or General whether it uh a male or a female, and I was wondering, uh, they were talking about the a dog-led confugal mm-hmm. ocean on one of the last chromosomes, that. Uh And I was wondering who we were... Uh, uh, familiar with the, the poem, uh what is called androgen insensitivity, and I, I found out later that androgen is a, a male hormone, and uh, I was wondering, uh, uh, were they talking about a, a, a pair of chromosome, or, or just one chromosome, I don't know if you would know that, and uh, also the term I'm a little familiar with this uh uh, in psychological one on one they teach uh polymorphical perverse. I hope we're able to understand that uh, the ability to experience a sexual sensation and uh and, and they do consider it to be an ability and I don't know about the uh, you know the uh, the configuration of, of one of the chromosomes did I mean one chromosome or a pair of chromosomes uh, with a dog from chromosome Wash, and I'd like to listen off all month if I'll be okay That's fine. fine.
0: You, you know, you know uh, I will say, up, say front, up front I don't I know, don't know about, about the pair or the single same. uh chromosomes I, I believe that I believe that the sex hormones are everything is paired up but I I could certainly could be wrong in that and androgen insensitivity uh is uh it resolves res- resistance to uh androgen or testosterone and 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 it's and the parts that, things it breaks down into which make a person male or at least accentuate that and the fact is that um um uh, it's a pretty rare condition the fact is that men have 7 to 10 times as much testosterone or more than that than than women do under normal circumstances and women have more estrogen now both of the sexes have some of both in fact it's very at it be it's a very terrible condition for a woman to have no testosterone and it's very terrible for a man not to have any estrogen i'm being very generic about the the names or maybe other hormones related to that or syn you know where it synthesizes out but but the fact is because of the chromosomal differences between male and female which are are hardwired into every human body and when it's not hardwired into the human body we recognize that as an anomaly or a deficiency or a defect it isn't like it's normal for there to be for this not to be hardwired in there uh but the point i'm making is that when when they one of these young women decides to transition to be a male and we got another phone call so we'll get to that in just a second but but uh when one of these young women decide to transition to be a male they can give them they can give them testosterone and so forth but their body still can't handle that amount of testosterone that it takes to be an actual man because of the genetic makeup of the body and the same thing is true the other way and so uh And a lot of certain the same amount of testosterone given to a male body and a female body will produce some of the effects that would be similar, you know, eventually a deepening of the voice, maybe more hair growth, uh, some things like that. But if that extra testosterone is given to a female body because of genetic, its genetic makeup, it can be very deadly and deleterious or the same amount given to a male body with the same hormone with, with the right chromosomes would actually be beneficial to that body because it's male. And the same thing is true with estrogen. Although both sexes need estrogen, if a man, if it, body has male chromosomes and is genetically male, when you give it a lot of testosterone, this, this I mean, excuse me, estrogen, the same amount that would be healthy for a female will be deleterious to a male body. This is the uh, secret lie that we're being told all the time about this. And so they have, to do, they have to suppress the effects of these hormones while giving people the hormones. And it's a complicated process, not simple at all, although the Planned Parenthood website makes literally says this is a simple and easy process, and nothing could be further from the truth. Because you can't just say X amount of testosterone will do this or that, it depends upon whether the body is genetically one way or the other. But that's the elephant in the room, Gary, the genetic difference in the two kinds of bodies. And, um, and,
1: and no, matter what, no matter what you do surgically or among those things, those X and Y chromosomes apparently remain.
0: Well, they of course don't change. Unless there's something really goes wrong. Yeah. Now, now uh, Jerry, I'll have to say because we're going to have to move on, but I, I will say that I, I'll have to look up this business about pairs, Uh, whether it's paired or not paired but I believe that it is paired from just a little bit of knowledge I have about it and just enough to be dangerous but this is not a this is not uh, an easy process here
1: or a simple one not one we're going to handle in an hour but basically from what I'm reading now the female the mother only passes along X chromosomes the father can pass along X and Y chromosomes and basically the female when they're born as a female have a pair xx and the male has a pair xy
0: well before they're born they have yeah before they're born they have that but basically
1: uh, that's the the situation as it stands
0: this androgen insensitivity is not a is not a normal condition it is an abnormal condition i'm sure someone would like to make it normal but is it's considered a defect or an abnormality when there is a high degree of androgen insensitivity in, in bodies where it's supposed to be sensitive to it. All right, well, um, let's move on, and we'll come back to this. Perhaps I can look up some stuff this week and see what I, I can find out. Thanks for your question, Jerry. Laura, are you there? Yes, Mike and
3: Gary, I am there. Good morning.
0: Yeah, good morning.
3: Good morning. Well, just a little side note on, on Jerry, and I learned this, Having three girls, the sex of a child is determined on the man because they carry both chromosomes. Right. Why? So those men that aren't happy to have sons or whatever, they've only got themselves to the pledge.
0: Okay. Well, uh, well,
1: it, well, it has could, to do with. Uh, I think it has to do with timing a, as well. It, yeah, it,
3: and it
0: is a combination. Laura, did you know that the rabbis taught? Did you know that the rabbis taught that if a man uh, gave his wife great pleasure in sexuality in sex, that he would have a son, and if the man ignored his wife in sexual relations, that he would be more likely to have a daughter. This is what the rabbi, and which is what to the rabbis, this was teaching the men that it's sex, and the Bible teaches very clearly. Uh, although Christians tend to ignore it, that sex is not for the man nor for the woman, but it's for both, to have pleasure and and communion and uh, intimacy. Anyway, go ahead. What's on your mind, Laura?
3: And to be fruitful and multiply. Right. But to the beginning comment there, we are to test every spirit he asks us to, to find out whether it's good, or it's bad. And, and
0: that, that's okay. the point I was making earlier About just trying to find out what the scriptures do say And test what's being said
3: Right, because most of the time we get offended And it goes for everybody Whether you're part of the body of Christ Still exploring just out here, We tend to get offended and use that passage When we don't want to deal with our sin When somebody brings it to mind Right. So they throw that scripture. You're so, talking about the judge I, not
0: passage? Yes. Yeah, that's the one that's misused so much. Mm-hmm.
1: And the judge with a righteous judgment so, is hardly ever.
3: Because we're all works in progress. We all are striving to run our race to obtain the prize.
0: That's right. You know, it's interesting to me. That people have been preached this doctrine of leave everybody alone and, and live your own life. And one of the biggest problems going on in society today, in Western society, is that people feel isolated and alone and they don't feel connected to other people. Well, let me tell you if you're going to be connected to other people, other people are going to get up in your business, as they say, because that's the nature of, of, of connection. And if you, if you want to live a life, if you think that you can live a life where you can do whatever you want and other people are always going to approve of that and other people should always approve of that, that's what first graders believe, okay? That's not what mature people understand and believe. If you want to be connected to the human race, then expect, expect that you're going to be corrected, uh, uh, you're going to be bumped up against, as it were, psychologically. You have to live and deal with other people, and it takes maturity to do that. And if you're always on the lookout for anybody ever saying anything that you don't like and reacting strongly to that, uh, you can't be anything but unhappy. Well, guess what we see in a whole section of our population today? They are anything but unhappy about everything. I mean, but happy.
1: Anything but but happy. Yeah. But happy about it. I'd like to say one thing and though about this.
3: They're not attainable.
0: They're not what, uh, Laura? I couldn't accountable. That. I think accountable. They're, they're okay, they are not accountable.
3: Want to be a man if you're a girl, or you be a a a, a girl if you're a man. They're not attainable.
0: Yeah, attain, they're not attainable. attainable. Mm-hmm. I got you. Yeah, they're not attainable. So, so therefore, since it's. Basically against the nat natural things, then there's no uh, happiness. Human beings are uh, put have been put in a position by God, according, in the Garden of Eden, of going out and changing the world, going out and and uh, subduing the earth, which involves trying to see how to make changes that are for the benefit of all. Now, what we've gone into now, though, is trying to change the very nature of our being, which is impossible to change. And then feeling bad about that or whatever, thinking we can change it. Man has a man has great power and should exercise that power according to God's will, but he's also limited by his very nature. And that's what's, that's what progressives cannot accept that limitation because it, it hinders their view of how the world ought to be. And uh, much of that worldview is very, very immature and so forth. Now look, you, you can't even take something as simple as marriage, haha. And I say <laughs> ha because it is simple to people who say that they want to be together or live together and love each other and take care of each other. But that all sounds easy, but it is very difficult. That's one of the most difficult things you'll ever undertake is to live with someone in that kind of relationship that be, and become one flesh. And it's a constant struggle to to understand yourself and the other person, but in so doing, it, you become something different. Now, now what happens to the world is that they decide they want the good part about being with one flesh with somebody, but all the other stuff that actually grinding off the edges to live with somebody, they want no part of that. So they they practice basically serial polygamy or polyamory, whichever it may be, because they don't want to. Face the reality of it of, of what the natural state is Anyway Laura um, What what else Do you want to add to this
3: um, Well I just Want to say That you know we ought to love Everybody and just because I don't Agree with somebody Whether you go to church whether you're Still searching whether your view is Moral political Social or economic. Doesn't mean I hate you. It just means we don't agree on this topic.
0: That that's exactly if, right. If
3: it triggers you, then we need to just leave it alone and let God reveal to that person the right or wrong path. But I think in Micah, we're warned to tell, especially our loved ones, the ones closest to us. But anybody on the dangerous path they are on. And either the Spirit of God will bring them to the right path they'll go off on their own devices. But if we don't give a fair, loving warning of where they're headed, then we're not doing what
0: God asks us to do. Part of the work of the Spirit of God is me or another any other righteous person trying to correct unrighteousness. And that's true going my direction, too. Uh, when people, When people pray for me, or I pray myself that I might do better, I have to be willing to accept that part of that process is going to be being criticized by other people sometimes when I need to be corrected. That's God's working in me. And so when you talk about the spirit working, I agree that God works in ways we can't. But part of the way God works, according to the Bible, is me exhorting and rebuking and encouraging other people when I see them as off the track. And that's true for all of us. That's part of God's working. The other thing, Laura, I want to say about what you said we should love about loving people, I, go, I, I agree with that, except I go back to what I said in the beginning of the show. Define love. Okay, so what does love mean? Well, most people, what, the way it's often used is loving everybody means I just have a warm, fuzzy <coughs> feeling about everybody and want to encourage them in what they do. Uh, but, but that's not the correct definition of love used in that sense. Loving somebody is doing what is in their best interest to them. Sometimes that's a pat on the back and a hug. Sometimes it involves just warm, fuzzy feelings, and sometimes it it's involves jerking them out of the path of an oncoming car and dislocating their shoulder in the process to save their life.
3: Yes.
0: So, so love is not, is not a good enough word anymore because it's been distorted by liberals to mean anything. Love is not a good enough word to describe my responsibility to other people by itself, unless I understand love as defined in the Bible.
1: That comes back to the word uh, definition uh, again. Uh, uh, I'd like to read a he, passage.
0: Uh, hang on just a second, Laura. I'm we'll uh, uh, to read
1: this passage. I mean, we'll come back. Uh, I, I'd people like.
3: People is wanting God's best for their life. Whether they want to accept it or not, those are my prayers. That his spirit may open their hearts.
0: And I agree, that's a good prayer, yes, that they would accept God's will, and, and sometimes that involves them going through something painful or whatever, because they have to make that change. Making the change to come bring my life in line with God's will, it can be a very painful experience, and sometimes I have to pray that people will go through that experience so that they can make the right changes and that includes myself in that which is the hard part which is the which is the fundamentally hard part being willing to accept the fact that i need correction from time to time and ought to, be, ought to have the i pray for myself that i would have the right heart to accept the correction because i, I know i don't often because i'm a, because i'm like most everybody else um that's that's exactly right laura uh garrett were you going to say
1: i was going to m- mention God put it this way when he was talking to Ezekiel, and this is pretty plain. It incorporates the things that you talked about, Mike, but it doesn't explicitly say why. In Ezekiel chapter 3, beginning in verse 17, he's speaking to Ezekiel. He says, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die and you give him no warning nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked ways to save his life, that the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Yet if you warn the wicked and he does not turn from his wickedness nor from his wicked ways, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. That's And that's kind of what we were talking about, the cities that were given to the Levites that were spread through the entire nation. They were to educate and warn the people. They were the watchmen, I think, in this case. Right. This is, you know, to some degree, Christians are watchmen today.
0: And we can be a good watchman, a poor watchman. We can be a watchman with a bad attitude or a good attitude. uh, Or no watchman at all. But it's better to get a warning from someone who... Look, look I, I've mentioned this before in other cir- circumstances. I, I think Laura's still there. Um, sometimes your enemies can be more helpful to you than your friends, especially in the area of criticism.
1: If you're and, willing to understand what they say. Well, yeah, you,
0: you, you have to listen. You have to be yeah. willing to see that even though they're my enemy and they don't, quote, love me or have warm affection toward me. That they are noticing things in me that my friends either don't notice or won't say,
1: or won't, say, they won't because... say
0: because they love me and they overlook them. It's good to overlook faults in people, but sometimes it's not good to overlook faults in people. And your enemies won't; they'll exaggerate your faults. But that that can be a lesson to you. So we have to be willing to learn in both cases. And once again, that's um, that's what love is. But there is a proverb that. Um, basically, and I have to look it up here, I don't have it in front of me, but it's, it basically is that a friend sharpens a man's countenance like iron sharpens iron. And, and the idea is that a true friend would beat against you like iron against iron to sharpen you and make you better. And that, that would be a painful or disruptive process. But that's what a true friend would do.
1: The The only difference I think between a true friend and an enemy in that respect, Mike, is the, the true, true <laughs> end. No, the true fan is probably
0: going to do it in a little bit different way. Well, one's motivated all, by love and, and one, positive. One's motivated by negative, negative, trying to tear you down. But they both can have the same effect, and one is going to be doing it in a gentle way.
1: And and the other,
0: and the, as a as a uh, minister and a teacher, part of my responsibility that I have to think about Gary is the same way. It's not only what we say, what the truth is, but in what manner can we teach it so that it can be accepted understood and practiced and if i don't just if i don't teach with that I don't learn or think about with that in mind what manner and what way should i teach this or say this then we really have under, we've uh, left out about half of what our job is as a minister or preacher or teacher a shepherd uh, a, a shepherd can t- treat his animals many different ways and then there's good shepherds and bad shepherds so it's not as simple perhaps as just always tell the truth and um and say whatever's on your mind to somebody. We also have to speak the words of scripture say, season with salt, with grace. That's the hard part. Part well part of the hard part. <laughs> and we wanna we wanna excuse the faults of our friends and uh, accentuate the faults of our, our enemies. And that is uh, that's not a Christian condition. That's not a Christian problem. That's a human problem. We we don't
1: always know when to use a kind word or a two by four. Right. Uh, that's not Jesus. If you if Jesus you, seemed to know when to do right. that. But that, if you
0: think Christians are phonies about that, you you must not be living in the same world I am, because worldly people. Oh yeah, they'll they'll. Um, They'll smile to your face and undermine you otherwise, or they'll or they'll uh, say wicked things about you. They're not motivated by trying to help you. They're motivated by self-interest. So there's no good there either. This is a human characteristic. Laura, are you still there? Do you want to add anything to what we're saying here?
3: Yes, yes, I am still there. And, and my final comments are <clears throat> that we should just really – we're all running – The race to get to the same place, but it is our own race carved out by God, so it's up to us to develop a personal relationship with Him that we maintain outside of the church we function in, but we come together when we meet to join corporately for the benefit of our neighborhoods, our cities, states, and outward to the world. I believe we should always bloom exactly where we're planted and all god wants is to walk with us like he walked with adam and Eve. right in and, and that that simple trust that was there until the enemy destroyed it
0: well he gives us other people to help us along that way and so that we can help them that's what the other people are do what, what, what they're supposed to be doing and uh, unfortunately it's not how – that's not how it uh, – that's not how we we just want to use the other people, you know what I'm saying. We, we want to use them to uh, get what we want out of it, and that's not the right way to do it, unfortunately. Uh, I appreciate your call, Laura, very much.
3: Very blessed. Yeah.
0: Thanks, same to you. You take care. Thanks for calling. Call back.
3: Okay. Bye-bye. Right.
0: See you later. Bye now. Yes, um this whole it, this really touches on an issue and and my memory says maybe Laura brought this issue up in another phone call about how we you know how we treat the world how we treat other people as Christians. And uh, it's a it's an essential kind of essential kind of teaching understanding about how things ought to be. Um but it is a it is the issue of the day. So many people are concerned about you know, whether Christians are really the, I just don't believe that Christians are the real problem in our society. Christians can be problematic and many Christians are not doing what God says in their own life. But I don't think that the world is like it is because Christians have not done their duty, except when maybe, maybe the Christians haven't actually, um, what am I trying to say? They haven't, they haven't actually done their duty and that they have Not strongly enough oppose the world It isn't that they've opposed the world And that creates the problems Christians have not strongly enough uh, Resisted the world
1: I think the problem is not that Christians have not been Accommodating enough Or kind enough with people It's they have not been As outspoken and as Pressing on
0: moral issues As they should have been That's what I think it is And, and, And yet that all has to be done With a certain amount of wisdom of course but right. uh, you know, you're you're hold once again. Sometimes people hold Christians account, uh, Christians up to s- something that they themselves won't do, and uh, uh, act like somehow Christians are supposed to be super people. A- and I I will say that there is an awful lot of smugness smugness among um, these I'm am trying to say mega church people, big big-shot preachers and churches, there is an awful lot of smugness that's very unattractive.
1: Well, you know what I was told maybe once, they
0: say Maybe people are sitting back saying, yeah, he's one to talk. I, I know, I understand that, but try to recognize that problem at least.
1: You know what I was told once, Mike, that, to be, that you can see is basically whenever you would try to talk to someone, particularly if they were referencing what we generally apply as the Church of Christ, is he said, you would always see that Church of Christ smile. And I don't think that's what we should have been doing.
0: What does he mean by that? Well,
1: that it's that smugness from, I know what the Bible says. Well, in general, my finding is they do know what the Bible says more than a lot of other denominations in general. But the idea that you can become proud of that or let that become a Prideful factor rather than a
0: work for God is a problem. Yes, um, that is exactly right. Now there's no there's nothing to be gained by being ignorant of the Bible, or and and say I'm humble but I'm just ignorant of the Bible. There's nothing to be gained with God by that, uh or ignorant of and or I do whatever I want to do when I feel like it. But since I'm a not since I'm nice to people, that I'm going to be saved. No, I don't think that's true either. It's not, it's not an easy road to walk. But if you look at the book of Romans in chapter 1, he condemned the Gentiles in chapter 1 of the book of Romans for all their immorality, all the disobedience to parents the being backbiters, proud, haughty, a- arrogant, uh, sexually immoral, homosexual. He condemned them for all of those things. He said the judgment of God was going to rest upon them for that. And then in chapter 2, he turns to the, you can just see the Jew over there saying, oh yeah, we're, we're religious, we've, we've got this down. We know, you know what God we, says. We know what God says, we're the, we're the good people. And he turns his attention in chapter 2 and says, you old man are the same, because you've not only done the same. Uh,
1: you, you had the word and ignored it. But you it. had
0: the word and ignored it. In chapter 2, he condemns the Jew. And he concludes in chapter 3 by saying, all have sinned and, and fallen short, short of the glory of God. Now, the, all there is both Jew and Gentile. In that case. And so he's saying that pleasing God is more than just knowing something about the Bible. On the other hand, there's nothing to be gained. You can't please God without knowing what the scriptures say and being willing to follow it. It's just more than that. I did a lecture years ago at the college, a lectureship uh, called The Sins of Being Right, which was Romans chapter 2. There are sins associated with ungodly people. Who do not love the Lord at all, and there are sins associated with the godly people who love. Say they love the Lord. They have a different set of sins. Ironically, they overlap a lot. They just look a little differently uh, in their outcome. But there are sins of being right, and that's the ones that get. That's the that's ones that these people are objecting to. And as the world gets more and more dark, Gary, then the sin the, the people who are trying to live right stand out more
1: well and often i think as, as the world gets darker and sins are more the christian tends to speak out more because it's beginning to agitate him how i would say what did it say of, of righteous lot his soul was what
0: vexed from day vexed to day
1: from yeah. day to day it tends to vex the christian the worse it gets and the they tend to speak out more but without the experience of knowing how but then I, again i see what Satan's doing satan has got this idea if you disagree with me, you hate me, and that keeps people from speaking out again
0: right That's that the he, that's it. a whole purpose and we' talked that. about this last week or so i don't know, I don't know if you were here and it came up maybe because of what Laura said, and we touched on it today that just because you disagree with someone and strongly disagree doesn't mean that you hate them uh, that's that's something that i'm just just don't ever accept that notion because it's false and elite it'll it will push you. If you accept the notion that when you disagree with someone or the or or the fact that when someone becomes upset with you, you've done something wrong, then you're always going to be bullied and pushed into doing into approving of immorality. So you may have done something wrong and that's why they're upset. Now, then deal with that and correct that. But the fact that they're upset doesn't mean that you did anything wrong or that you even said anything wrong just because they're upset. If you tried to raise your children that way, you'd be a miserable parent that every time they got upset, you backed up and apologized and went another direction and decided you'd keep your mouth shut from now on because the child got upset.
1: So Uh, perception or real, the idea is to go and get that worked out. Perception or real. Figure out what it is. Figure out what it is and go and get that worked out. Don't just stop talking to each other. That's and, and it's it's. It has an impact on all subjects in life, not just our relationship with God, but it has it has the same impact on how we live every day in everyday decisions.
0: Now I'll frame it this way. By the way, let me let me give you the numbers again: seven seven two three four zero fifteen ninety. And call us seven seven two three four zero fifteen ninety. If you'd like to, call. we got plenty of time for another call today, so jump in there: seven seven two three four zero fifteen ninety. I've I've said many times before, and my wife has kind of raised her eyebrows at this occasionally, that I would much rather, if I had to choose, I'd much rather be respected than loved. I think that's somewhat of a male characteristic, because to a male, there there I go with my XY chromosome again, or whatever it is, you know, Gary, but uh, maybe a testosterone boost, but uh, to a male, love and respect are very closely related to one another. Yes. Okay. It's not that they're, they're, they're different, but they are closely related, more so probably than a female, although obviously females want to be respected and loved. But here's my point. Here's the point I'm making about this, that I, in the long run, if you and I were to disagree about some moral issue, I would much rather you come away respecting me for anal- at my analysis of that issue and thought and courage in that issue than you just feel warm about me. Warm and fuzzy about me Because in the long run That respect might cause you to think About what's being said That's... Whereas just being warm and fuzzy Might encourage you along the way Now now there is a sense in which sometimes being loved, and being loved Affectionately by someone Would cause you to change your mind I understand that So there's an overlap here It's not either or But I think that there's certainly a place to be made For the fact that you do the best you can to treat people with respect, and you you present yourself and arguments that you make in a way that can be respected, and then you'll have long-term influence with someone. Short-term, just wanting to get them to to like you and not be and not be upset, may or may not have the impact you think it will.
1: I, I think that's partially what's hardwired into men, to be honest with you.
0: Yes, and it, it, it's necessary because men often have to make those tough decisions that, that emotions can only take you so far in.
1: And unfortunately doesn't mean men don't
0: have emotions they're just different than women's emotions.
1: Unfortunately, the subtle distinctions between love and respect in some ways, it's very hard for a woman to recognize. I I find that in, in, in wives looking at their husbands, that's very hard for them to make that kind of distinction. And
0: here's the different, here's the thing about that though. Part of being a respectable man is being kind and gentle and temperate and all those things. So if a man is unkind and not gentle with those around him, then he isn't the kind of man the Bible would hold up to be an elder, for example. And that will cause some people to respect or disrespect him. Even if it's, I know people who's, who, uh, whose ideas are good in the sense that they're, they're intellectual. But it's hard to assimilate that into my life because of of the it, their their ill temper and unkindness make it difficult to see the whole picture. So yes, we need to we need to rely upon our thoughts and rationality. But that once again needs to be presented and take the in the form of kindness and gentleness. Now on the other hand, I I don't define it as being unkind. To oppose someone, even strongly oppose someone, with words and, so, and actions, I don't think that's unkind to, to do that. Uh, once again, unkindness is more than disagreement, as Laura said on the air. It's more than disagreement, and even strong disagreement. So we have to think about these things carefully and see that the truth is, in the end, Jesus says, the world will never love you. It didn't love me. It will never love you when you do my will. And that's, that's getting more and more true every day in the society in which we live. It will not will not love you. There isn't anything that Christians in the modern world can do to make tra- a transgender activist love them, okay, or feel kindly toward them, or and so forth. They're still going to say, and that's what these that's what a lot of these liberals find out that they try to be real, real nice and never say anything anybody sets anybody, and and so forth. And they find out in the end, they still get bid. They still get canceled as quick as they can. Uh, they all they all love Elizabeth Cheney, in their view. I'm going to use her for a political right. a political allegory. They all love Liz Cheney until she will eventually say something they don't like, or she runs against a Democrat, and then she'll be the worst person in the world. You know. They they all loved the, they all love a guy like George Bush until he runs against a Democrat and then he becomes a so there, there's no there's nothing to be gained by 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 giving up conviction for what's right just so people will like you there's nothing to be gained by that in the long run
1: well it's even dangerous when it you, know, you can see it in foreign policy when when nations have to deal with other nations if you're if you continue to be accommodating hoping that someone's going to change when the demonstration is the other way around. It's, it's going to be a loser every day. It started World War II that way, and looks like we're getting dangerously close to starting another one.
0: Now, there's... there's uh, I mean, th- this all has to be under... We've talked about this re- in the recent past, so I have to be repetitive about it, but it's a, it's a crucial issue here that there's nothing to be gained, by, as I mentioned, by being vicious and unkind and hostile all the time everywhere you go. And in my dealings, for example, in people that I have to deal with all the time in hobbies, other things in the world, society, who are homosexual or or fornicators or whatever, um, it's going to be on them to bring up the ill-temperedness, the hatred. It's going to be on them to do that because I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to approach them that way. I'm not going to be uh, always trying to criticize every move that they make and and always bringing up the fact that they may be homosexual or something, because that's not productive. It's not usually, it's never going to change their mind. My object is to change a person's mind and heart and so forth. And so I can certainly deal with people in a in a respectful way, in a kind way, and never compromise my beliefs about that matter. And when needed, I will speak, I will tell them directly, and we have these conversations. Does it help? My experience is generally it doesn't help. It doesn't make them like me. Because as soon as I express any discomfort or opposition to their sexual agenda or even their political agenda sometimes, I'm back where I was. It's like I never had even been kind to them. So that's how it works. But still, as a Christian, we owe people that general level of of, uh, kindness and generosity toward them. And, 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 and
1: uh, yeah, the, the real problem sometimes, Mike, is recognizing what kindness and generosity is. One of the things that I've noticed, if we want to be respectful to somebody, it's listen to what they have to say. Don't continually interrupt them and prevent
0: them from well, talking. That's that's one of the things well, that happens. I got involved in a in a dispute because I was in charge of the thing to some degree with a fellow who was a practicing homosexual in the in the state fair and the poultry thing. And had made no bones about this. And and I knew that he knew where I stood on all those things. But I felt like because in in some disagreement that happened, according to the rules, I felt like he was being mistreated. I don't think I didn't think he was being treated fairly. Mm -hmm. And part of that may have been because he did. People didn't like him because he was such a, a lousy person as far as his personality, always antagonistic with a chip on his shoulder about being gay. Well, now, that doesn't help him either. And I set him in my office and told him, I think it's unfair what's happening. But I said, part of this is because you've got a chip on your shoulder. Not everything that happens to you is because you're homosexual. Sometimes it's because you're a jerk. That's what I told him. And, I, and so, yeah, so I, that's being fair, though. I was fair to him about that. I tried to defend him, not because he was, I was in favor of his homosexuality, but because it was unfair what was happening, gay or not gay. Does that make any sense? Should have been He should have been treated fairly. Anyway, our time is gone today, Gary. We appreciate everybody listening. Uh, thank you so much. Thanks for the calls. We hope that you'll take a look at our website, which is wearejustchristians.com. Wearejustchristians.com. You'll find a, a podcast of this show, of our regular sermons, lots of other things. We'd like to invite you to come and be with us at 2196 Southwest Savona Boulevard, 2196 Southwest Savona Boulevard here in Port St. Lucie the Church of Christ on Savona Boulevard. We'd be glad to have you. You're not going to ask you for money. Come and see. Give us a chance and come and we'd be glad to meet you. Thanks for listening and may God bless you.
3: WPSL, Port St. Lucie.